Anyway, I've got a dilemma, John Davy. What's your dilemma? I don't know what to do. <laughs> what? What do you mean you don't want to? You don't know what to do. I need your advice as one father to another. Okay. Yeah. Go. Because I know that I can rely on you, man to man. Yes. To uh, to to point me in the right direction. Well, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Well, look, hopefully it will be good advice. <laughs> to, to set the right example. That's yeah. what I look to you for. Okay. I look to you as my role model. Well, <laughs> many wouldn't, but I'd like that. And he's made me feel very comfortable as a guest. Do you want to know what my dilemma is? Go on. It's a really bad one. It's a really tricky one. In fact, I'm quite embarrassed to bring it up, but I've, I've, got, I've got to seek some other guidance on this topic because it's driving me insane. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going around in circles with it. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is yeah. out on the same day as Alex's graduation. Oh, no. What am I going to do? Well, hang on. First, <laughs> first of all, first of all, um, well, look, I understand that both of those things are extremely important in your life. So I completely get the dilemma. Now, as a dad, you cannot miss his graduation. You cannot. So there has to be some planning going to this. Now, I'm sure his graduation isn't all day. So either you can say, right, son, I'm going to be there for you. I'll be there, back you up, all those kind of things. And then you slip off later to see the movie. Or how about this? Son, after your graduation, I've organized for you and your mates to accompany me to, and then you go to the movie together. Oh, that's good. You like that? Oh, I do like that. That's very good. <laughs> that's very good. Because I was thinking, I mean, I know what normal people would say. Normal people would say, yes, Andy, but you can watch Planet of the Apes anytime. You know, it's not going anywhere. That's what that's what normal people would say. What I would say in response to that is, yeah, but they're streaming the graduation on YouTube. <laughs> and I can see it on my phone. Yes. No, um, yeah, listen, you're, you're absolutely right. But I know how long you've been waiting for this thing. So I know how much it means to you. No, listen, you, you could make it into a big treat for him, couldn't you? You know, say, right, you get, I don't know, half a dozen of your mates. Are you going to the, by the way, are you going to the premiere of it? Um, or, I'm waiting to find out. Right. So do you have a plus one? Um, no, I think I'm, I'm hoping to be somebody else's plus one, but I haven't, I haven't, uh, uh, I don't know the news yet. Right. So then what you need to do is work your charm and get a further plus one and then say to him, son, you know how much this means to me. I am taking you to the premiere. Now that is some kind of event. He'll want to be at that, won't he? Because there'll be all the stars and everything else, won't there? So he's not faced by that. No, he's not faced. No, he's not faced by that. If there were stars of geology, then I might stand a chance. <laughs> but he's not even fussed with Brian Cox, to be honest. Really? Yeah, everybody goes gaga for Brian Cox, but no, Alex is not that. Uh, he's not that keen. So maybe, maybe it has to be the the attraction has got to be him and his mates, and some alcohol afterwards. I would imagine. Oh yeah, maybe. Listen, take him to dinner or something. <laughs> The thing with graduations, and this is why I didn't go to mine, but I'm going to go to Alex's, is they do the whole dressing up thing, don't they? Uh They wear the whole gown and they've got to wear the, the whatever that is, the, the mortarboard, the flat thing. See that, I, I haven't, I haven't got to that bit yet. My daughter is 
has just turned 16. So she's literally just completed her GCSEs. So I'm a few years behind you on that. Well, I've been thinking that if he gets to dress up, then it's only fair that I get to dress up as well. And of course, <laughs> it being, it be, you, you know where I'm going with this. I now, know don't exactly you? where you're going. It being Dawn of the Planet of the Apes Day, there's only one thing to wear. And you're not going to wear the ape head to his graduation. And I tell you what, it would be memorable. He'd look back on that day and think, I'm never going to forget it. Andy, do you bleep out swear words? Yes, but well, you can right. swear all you like. Then get ready, because he will think, <laughs> I can't believe my dad turned up at my graduation like that, you fucking old bastard. <laughs> I may not even bleep that out. I may risk the explicit tag on <laughs> iTunes today because I know people do. Uh, no, I, you see, the ape head came and Sue said, what am I going to do with that? I can't take that to Sainsbury's because it was in lieu of payment on a job. And I'm like, I'll take it to Sainsbury's. In fact, I'll push the trolley when I'm wearing it. And she, she hasn't ever taken me up on the offer and, I, and I'm, Oh, you've never done it? No, I haven't done it yet. Oh, I mean, it, you need to, what, one day you just need to go and turn up while she's there and walk, w- just walk past her and see if she notices. <laughs> this is real. Nobody would notice. No, and I think you're right because how many times do you see those videos where something extraordinary happens and people just wander past are completely oblivious? There was the, um, famous pony in the Apple store. Really? Frank, Frank, Chimero, Frank Chimero's yeah, Pony in the Apple Store. Oh, really? Where there was a pony in the Apple Store and everybody was just going about their business, <laughs> buying iPods, <laughs> standing at the Genius Bar. And I think it was Frank Chimero and he wrote this article about, am I the only one that sees this? Really? Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I'm always fascinated by those, when they have those documentaries where people completely miss things. They, I just saw one recently where... They went, um, they did a test where they got these sports people to jog around a particular course. And then they said, we want you to remember as many incidents as you can. One of the incidents, they literally ran, I would say, two arms lengths away from, uh, three guys beating someone up and not one of the athletes noticed. And literally, they ran around the corner, and it was all fake, obviously, but not one of the athletes noticed this going on. So, yeah, those things happen. Well, I'm still, I'm still, I'm in an R-ing. I'm still up in the air as to what my final decision will be about <laughs> how I handle the 17th of July. Right. Well, look, I know how much Alex thinks of you, and I know how much you think of him. So, I think that whilst it probably is sounds like a great laugh you've really got to go with what pleases him ah, you see that's why i knew i could rely on you for the for the right thing to do for the right advice i mean actually to be honest i you know hey listen i'm not saying don't go to the to the uh the premier, because you can you can get away with that by taking him i'm just saying at the graduation You've got to be the perfect proud dad. Yep, no, that's that's understood. And I and I think the I think the premiere, if I go to the premiere, will actually be a different day. If I don't get to go to the premiere, then I'll go some other time. But you know, you just go. just so that people know, 
I am joking, of course, because some people <laughs> think I'm serious about this. And I, you know, I am going to the fucking graduation, you donuts. <laughs> honestly, some people. Hmm. Some people, honestly. Um, but I mean, you know Alex. I know Alex very well. So you took him out drinking in Germany. I did, I did. When he was 12. <laughs> well, that's what my wife thought, but no, he, he wasn't, he wasn't 12. No, it's funny. No, that was, uh, yeah, that was at the Smashing Conf. Um, which was in Freiburg. And, uh, it's the first time I met Alex, a lovely kid. Uh, and I just felt that he needed to get out with, you know, in that kind of drinking environment, which, I'd, you know, I got the impression that he hadn't done much before. And, uh, so yeah, he, I think he really enjoyed it actually. No, he did enjoy it, and it was really funny because I'd gone. I'd not, I'd not, I don't think I'd met you before, and I don't think I'd met Brad Frost before we went out on that trip. Mm. And I, you know, I respected what Brad had done. I wanted to meet Brad for a while, and it was really quite funny because when we got there, I realised that actually Brad was nearer to Alex's age than he was to my age and your yeah, age, yeah. Uh, which was quite funny. So you know, I was tired. I went to bed, and I would be sending messages to Sue at home, going, "He's out drinking with Brad." <laughs> he's out with, that's why it became like Alex's friend Brad. And it's like a family joke now. It's Alex's friend Brad. Yeah. Every time Brad Frost comes up in the conversation. Brad is, yeah, he's a young dude. Right. Enough about me, anyway. And my dilemmas. Because mm-hmm. we wouldn't want people to think that this is my biased personal soapbox now, would we? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> not, not when this is supposed to be an industry podcast. That's fair enough. I'm going to shut up before I get myself into trouble. Yeah. Can we just talk about our first sponsor before I get into even more bother? Yeah. If you're a designer or a developer, someone that makes responsive websites, and that's more or less everybody, I think, these days, I think you're going to like the sponsor. It's Ghost Lab. They make synchronized cross-browser and mobile testing that's taken to the next level. So here's the problem that a lot of us face. We're designing, we're developing a site, and we need to test it across multiple browsers especially across many different devices, smartphones, tablets. Now, you could set up a local development server or you could shove FTP files up to an external server, but who really wants to do that? And then you've got to keep all the devices in sync while you test. Moving around a site, you've got to use navigation, fill in forms. You need like three pairs of hands. And that's where GhostLab comes in. Because GhostLab synchronizes everything across different browsers and devices and as you do something in one browser or on one device, it happens on all the others instantly. So you click a link on a desktop browser, and then it looks like it gets pressed on the smartphone. Yeah. If you type into a form input on a tablet, it gets filled in across all the other browsers or devices that are connected to GhostLab. It's brilliant. It's like magic. And here's how it works. You just install the GhostLab app on your Mac or your PC, and then you drag any HTML site into the GhostLab window, and that's it. GhostLab just does everything else for you. And then from there, you can open your site in any installed browser, or you can point any device on the same network to GhostLab's IP address. And the great part about it is that GhostLab does not doesn't, you don't have to install an app on all of the devices. It just uses the browser. GhostLab keeps a watch on your projects, and it pushes any changes that you make to every connected browser and device. And that makes designing with code using HTML, CSS, maybe some JavaScript, really simple. And also, GhostLab's not a subscription service. You don't have to pay monthly for the software. You just buy it. Hmm. 
A Ghost Lab costs £33 per user, and you can install it on two computers, like you know your desktop or your laptop, which is what I've done. And there are volume discounts available too. So go to unfinished.bz slash ghostlab and get ghostlab. So can I just um, follow that up, actually, Andy, because a good friend of both of ours, uh, Mark Thieler, who mm-hmm. runs um, Beyond Teleround, he uses Ghostlab. He introduced it to me. I was, I was frightened that you were going to um, spring some um, some app or software or, or product on me that I was unaware of and then I'd look like a chump because I really should know about these things. But he introduced me to Ghostlab some months ago and he absolutely raves about it. And funny enough, on their website, there's a lovely picture of, uh, they've got a particular stand with several different, um, mobile devices and, uh, uh, like an iPad-y type thing. And, uh, th- you know, it's just a kind of marketing photo, but it's a great way to go. That is what it does. You're on your computer and it mimics everything on these devices. It's brilliant. He, he thinks it's one of the best things he uses. No, it is. And, we talked about that, and we talked about the device lab, the stand that you mentioned. That's we right. Talk, yeah, that's we talked I mean. about that on yeah. uh, on the on the show a, a few times. But it's interesting. I mean, I'm not going to bang on about Ghost Lab for a while, but it's interesting that you talk about sort of being baffled by software. And you know, I'm not gonna. I'm not a big software bloke. I'm not a big techie bloke, obviously. Um, and in fact, this week I wrote about it on uh, on our website. But I wanted to get a little bit better at maybe templating. You know, we've been doing a lot of um, template writing recently. We've been working on a, a project for a firm in Manchester, and I'm writing a lot of HTML. And I thought it would be a really nice idea if I came, you know, up my game when it came to templating. Mm-hmm. And I know people use things like Jekyll, for example. So I started to, um, you know, I started to install that, and it's all done by the command line on the Mac, which is, like, completely alien to me. Mm. And within about five minutes, I just hit a wall. Error messages were thrown up that, you know, I didn't know, understand. I didn't know how to fix them. And I just got so frustrated and I just quit and I felt bad for, for doing it. Mm. And then this week, we actually had a really, really nice guy uh, jump on email and inquiring about sponsoring the show. And he's got a product that does a, a similar thing um, to Ghost Lab. Similar thing. And I wanted to, you know, have a look at it. I wanted to check it out. And then the first thing that you needed to do was to install node.js on your Mac. And, <laughs> oh, dear. And again, it's all done via the command line. And all of a sudden, all of these feelings of kind of abject failure and anger and resentment at the command line all kind of came to the surface. And in the end, I just gave up and I just wrote back to him and I just said, look, you know, I can't do this. Yeah. You know, there's a huge gap between my knowledge and my confidence levels with these kind of developer tools yeah. and what people expect that you should know. There's like a lot of um, assumed knowledge that people have. It's like, oh, well, you, of course you should be using the command line or, you know, blimey, are you not using Git, you moron? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, listen, I, I, I am completely on board with you. I've, I've realised, well, I, I should go back a few years and give you some history because... Many, many years ago, I was a Flash developer, and I was actually very good at it. Um, and this was in the days of uh, ActionScript 1, which was not object-orientated. 
So I was really, it's actually, funny enough, it's very much like JavaScript is now, or th- that's the way I see it anyway. In a way, I kind of feel because that's where I started from, I should know all this stuff. Well, actually what happened was when I stopped using Flash, which was 2006 when I started the event, I, the only other program I ever started, or sorry, language I ever started using was PHP. Now, PHP, to most of my friends, is absolute baby talk. You know, it's like, really, is that all you can do? So, of course, I already feel like a failure. And then I start going, oh, I should know a bit more about this. And I get myself into such a tiz over not knowing what I'm doing that every now and then I have to sit back and go, hang on a minute, this isn't what you do. Just because you want it to look good or act this way, it isn't what you do. This, You know, you do events. You don't need to know this thing inside out. The only problem comes when you really want to do something, and I'm not very good at asking for help because, A, I can't afford it, and, B, I feel like, you know, then I'm forever indebted. So I, I get to this point where, very much like you've just described, I try these different things out and uh, then realize I don't know what I'm doing or I'm in too deep. So the, my most recent one was I've, I've been using Coda for some time and I'd read all these different rave reviews about Sublime Text and how you know it does all these different packages and it checks syntax and all that. And I thought, I've got a switch. I've got, you know, I'm an idiot. I've got a switch because obviously I'm just using, you know, a, a bumped up version of Dreamweaver. So, yeah, right. So I went and bought Sublime Text and I installed all these different packages. And, you know, I'm kind of thinking, yeah, I like it, but, you know, it's a bit of a learning curve. And then I was chatting to a mate of mine and he said, well, why, don't, why aren't you just using coder for what you want to do and i said oh because you know sublime text does this thing where you know it replaces spaces with tab marks and he went yeah well coder does that i went oh no 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 but the you know sublime text does this thing where it checks your syntax and prettifies it and he went yeah coder does and i went do you know what i've just realized that the problem isn't with the things that i use the problem is with me and my lack of knowledge so, you know, in the end, I just go, you know, why don't I just stick with the tools that I'm pretty good at? And, you know, I, I, luckily I've got friends like Mark who, who will help me out or show me how to use these various things. But generally, I, I, you know, Git is a bit of a mystery to me. I, I did, I did get myself a, a Git repository and I started using it. And then I thought, I don't know what I'm doing here and just, oh, just gave up really. Well, I've come to a crossroads where I think that we have to hire a developer. I mean, I just think that that has to happen now. I mean, I've struggled for a long time in just, you know, doing the best that I can. And, you know, we don't, it's not like we, we, we build, you know, enterprise level stuff. What do they call it on, uh, yeah, I know. you know, on the, on the, the Node.js site? We don't build scalable network applications, whatever the fuck they are. <laughs> so I struggle with stuff, but it's getting to the point now where actually it's not that I can't do it, although I think that I could do it better. It's that actually I shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. And I should be either designing and thinking about the higher level stuff and, you know, being the public face and dealing with clients and account managing and all that kind of stuff. And actually, you know, to be honest, somebody else can write HTML. 
Um, so that's one thing. And also the things that I do need to learn. I've been a huge fireworks user for like, well, as long as I can remember. Mm. And now, you know, I'm struggling to keep fireworks alive. It is, I, I use it on a retina Mac and it's not pretty, but it's, it's still my favorite. And just moving into using something like Sketch, which I know is going to be the next, you know, the next step. Mm. I've got to learn that. I mean, there's a learning curve behind that. I've been so used to my tool set for the last however long. Mm. So if I do need to learn something, I need to learn bloody Sketch and yeah. you know, things that go with it. I can't, I can't be, I can't be sitting there writing code, learning about bloody Node.js. You know, it's it's quite interesting because listening to you, you, you reminded me of Brian Clough when Brian Clough used to say, you, young man, are best in goal, so you stay in goal. Don't go out, right? And you kind of think, I am good at what I do. You know, is it necessary to dabble with other things? Actually, funny enough, our industry kind of breaks that rule because there are so many people that I know that do planning, layout, code, front-end, UX, you know, responsive design, all those things. So, you know, those days of, uh, oh, you're good at one thing and that's all you should do, are, are way gone. You know, I think we are all required to know so much more now. However, I do think that it's important to know when you've reached a limit and you go, do you know, I can do A, B, C, and D. I just can't do E and F. And that is why I need to get that developer in. I'm totally on board with it. That's going to be our next step. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. So that's my thing. If anybody wants to, uh, if anyone wants to come and work here. Oh, I bet there'll be people queuing up. Do you know, I doubt it very much. No, seriously. I'm, I'm serious. Blimey. What a great, great, you know, environment. So there may, there may be one or two people out there in the world that they don't know who you are. Ah. And, and I know it's hard to believe, John. <laughs> can you, can you believe that? Honestly, seriously. Maybe there's an old lady near Aberdeen who hasn't heard stories about you. Well, I heard there was a fisherman off the Philippines hadn't heard of me, but that's about it. I thought there was a fella who collects the money at the car park just outside Swansea. <laughs> yeah. No, he does know about me now because I phoned him. No, you drove off without paying. <laughs> yeah, that's right. In He's your Merc. Been chasing me ever since. You do have a Merc, don't you? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> no, you organise. You're the ringmaster for the Reasons to Be Creative Conference in Brighton. I, I am indeed. Yes. So... First question I've got really is, why why do it in Brighton? I mean, I can't afford to go there. You 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 can feed a family of four in Liverpool with what it costs to buy a cup of coffee in Brighton. Do you know that's uh, that's a great question, and I I have to go back and give you some history. So, as you know, um, reasons to be creative was born from Flash on the Beach, and Flash on the Beach, I started uh, in 2006, um, and I had planned to do it in London. Uh, I just happened to be having a coffee with a, a really good friend of mine called Pete Barr Watson, and uh, Pete lives in Brighton, and he said, 
I don't understand why you're doing it in London. Why don't you do it in Brighton? And I said, seriously, Pete, I don't know anywhere down here. I don't know any venues. I don't know the area. I don't know the community. You know, he said, no, you're nuts. There's loads of people here that are, apparently there's like 1,500 registered uh, web design and development companies in the Brighton and Hove area, which I was unaware of at the time. Anyway, he gave me a list of uh, venues, and I started going to them, and each one I hated. And I got to the very last one, which is my current venue, which is Dome. And before I walked in, I was in such a bad mood because of the, the absolute failure of, of, you know, wandering all around Brighton, looking at these places that weren't appropriate. So... I literally kind of met the the uh, the staff there, and I went, right, show me around, come on. You know, like I just literally really wanted to get in the car and come home. And I walked into the dome, and as you know, it's got those those beautiful, it's a really stunning tiled floor, and it's it's been kept as it was. And I walked about three paces in, I went, I'll have it. And they said, you haven't seen the theatres or, you, you know, nothing. And I went, no, I want to see them. But I know that I'll have it. I just loved the the whole atmosphere of the place. It's it's beautiful. So that really is the reason why I did it in Brighton. And actually, I was pleased, in retrospect, I was pleased I did, because the venues that I'd scouted in London were were probably three or four times the cost of the Brighton venue. So... um initially, back in those days, I did kind of think that it would be a little bit like a roving, roaming-type event, you know, where I'd do it in different places. But then I just thought, no, this is nuts. Why don't I do the same place, same time of year, every year? Um, And it was a great success from the start. So that's really why I, I chose Brighton, to be honest. I don't live in Brighton. I live in London. I haven't ever been to the Dome. Really? No, I haven't been in it. I've I've only ever been to Brighton since I've been kind of webby a couple of times. Right, Andy, come come as my guest. Well, no, we can talk about that a little later on, actually, mm. because mm. Uh, I am thinking that I'm going to be down there this year. Right. Well, it, I think you'll find you'll completely understand what I mean because the venue is really lovely, um, and you know, uh, here's here's another thing, um, and I'm sure we're going to chat about. Um, events and organizing and why you choose certain places. But here's another thing that I find lovely about Brighton. When you have a break, uh, whether it's a cigarette break, whether it's a lunchtime break, or in my case, we have uh, an afternoon evening break. So we kind of try and run it almost like it's a continental thing where they come back in the evening for an evening session. When you have that break, you as an attendee, you inevitably bump into someone else that is at the event, which is a lovely, lovely feeling because there are many events that happen in big cities, and I know some of these because I actually did um, a couple of uh, reasons to be creative in New York. What happens is when people walk out the door, they disperse into the city and you don't see them again until the next day. Whereas in Brighton, because it is not as big as a city like London or New York, New York, it's a bit more intimate, and there's so many great places to eat and drink, you inevitably bump into people, and it is 
something that actually subliminally adds to the vibe. So it's a great, great town, great venue. I love it. I can understand that. I mean, I remember a few of the at media conferences and they weren't all the same, but they were always held in London. And I seem to remember the one at the business design center. That one seems to come to mind up in Islington That's and right. everybody's kind of disappeared at lunchtime. And there was, it was like, you know, just popping out for, for lunch or something. It was, it didn't have any kind of feel to it or everybody just went off to, you know, pizza express across the road and some people went somewhere else. And it was, it, I don't know. It just didn't feel, um, as connected as, no. you know, some of the smaller events do. And, and you know, the, the thing as an organizer, one of the things that comes to mind after you've been doing it a quite a short time is that there are many, many one man bands that go to events and without friends there or established friends or people that you already know are going to attend, you're kind of on your own. So to me, it's quite a, a vital part of a decent event is the fact that they can bump into each other and therefore forge a friendship that they wouldn't have had before going to the event. And that is also something that I believe is quite um, undervalued, uh, actually, is the, you know, people talk about networking, but the friendships that are built up when you start meeting the same people at different events, I think it's a great thing. I get that. I mean, I went to a little event up in Shrewsbury last year, and it was really quite odd for me because, you know, I mean, I, I know quite a lot of people, but I'm actually not very comfortable sometimes, you know, in social situations. Mm. You know, a lot of it's a front. And, you know, you turn up to an event like that and, you know, you walk through the door and you're looking around. It's like, who do I know? Who do I know? Where do I go? You know, and you sort of gravitate towards the coffee machine or something. Yeah. Um, and stand there thinking, you know, do I feel awkward here? Do, am I supposed to go up and talk to somebody? Am I supposed to go, hi, I'm Andy. Mm. And, you know, all that kind of stuff, which I am rubbish at. I mean, I'm really not very comfortable doing. Mm. Um, and that's why, you know, you sort of maybe gravitate towards people that, you know, you do know mm. sometimes, but it's really important, really, yeah. really important. Yeah. So what's your, what's your vision for this conference and what, what's, what makes it special? Okay. So. Oh dear, it's, it's, I have to be careful not to sound like a, a sales pitch because, you know, I'm trying to be objective. Um, I, as part of my job, uh, what I call my job, which my wife would laugh if I use that word because she thinks I do nothing, but <laughs> as, as part of my job, I attend as many events as I can. Um, why do I do that? Well, to see new speakers, to potentially meet new sponsors and partners, to uh, see if there's any ideas that I can plagiarize, improve upon, certainly see things that I don't like because that helps reinforce what you don't want to be. Um, and what I found is that one of the things that Reasons does that many, many other events don't do is that it is a bit of a smorgasbord, whereas many events kind of concentrate on a particular topic or niche. Um, you know, I don't want to sound like, oh, listen, I know all of them and, uh, you know, therefore I'm, I'm the, the final say on this because, I, of course, I haven't been to all of them. I'm, I'm just talking about my experience. So there'll be 
events that I go to, which are, uh, I don't know, say responsive design, um, heavy. Did you go to Jeremy's last week? I didn't get down to Jeremy's, unfortunately, because that was my daughter's uh, graduation or final day graduation. They invited us to. She goes to a, a Catholic school, so we all sat in the uh, chapel, and uh, there was some prize giving and stuff like that. So, unfortunately, I missed it. But see, I, I can it. understand. I can understand why you didn't have the same dilemma as me, because <laughs> you know. <laughs> Given the choice between a graduation and one of Jeremy's dues versus a graduation and Planet of the Apes, uh, now that's not what fair. are you going to do? That's what are you going to do? <laughs> I, I hear that it is a, a fantastic success and everyone loves it. So, <laughs> so yeah, I I think you'll probably have listeners that totally disagree with you. Oh, he knows I'm only winding him up. He spent the entire hour winding me up the other week. Did he? Oh, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> So yeah, let me let me uh, drag you away from upsetting your listeners. Um, no, <laughs> so it started out as Flash on the Beach, and it was uh, in the very first year quite Flash heavy. Although you know my vision is that I it was always going to be broader, and then in subsequent years it got broader and broader and broader and broader. Now we were getting filmmakers, animators, illustrators, uh, front-end, uh, back-end, coders, um, people that made installations, people that did light shows for bands. We had all sorts of speakers, and it was very, very broad. Now, what happened was, and funny enough, at the time, I think pe- people thought I was clairvoyant because um, about three months after I changed the name, Steve Jobs came out with the Flashes the devil statement, you know, it's all terrible and you should all stop flash. Yeah. You should all stop using it because you know, blah, blah. So anyway, about three months prior to that, I decided to change the name. Why did I change the name? Well, I was fed up with going to other events and people would say, Oh, what do you do for a living? I'd say, Oh yeah, I run flash on the beach. And they go, Oh yeah, yeah. I've heard great things about that. I've never been. And I'd say, what do you do that? I'm a designer. Oh, do you know that this year we had Stefan Sagmeister and Neville Brody speak? And they would literally, their jaw would hit the floor and go, I never read past the title. Hence the reason why I changed the, the name of the event. Now, ironically, the event now called Reasons to be Creative, I'm starting to have that same conversation with techies. It's funny because I try and balance the event so that there is, you know, a good degree of tech and a good degree of, uh, creative and therefore it it kind of covers all tastes but the reason why i structure the event like that rather than focus on say responsive design or css or javascript or something like those subjects the reason why i have a broad thing apart from being selfish liking to want to see all those things myself is that I'm the guy that when he sees the salad bar wants to try everything. I don't just want to eat the cheese. So that is why I like to have a wide variety of things. And to support that, I believe that in our era of design and development, with a lot of, uh, especially one-man bands, being a jack-of-all-trades, actually... Many of them do the design and the code and they take the photographs for the site and they maybe do a little animation and they've used their DSLR for filming. 
So the event actually covers all of those kind of things and with a, a very, very hefty sprinkling of inspiration. So, you know, I kind of, listen, Andy, I've, over the years I've had all sorts of conversations with various people, you know, oh, what, what is my boss, my boss is going to say, what am I going to get out of it? Well, what, what does that mean? Does that mean you want some in-depth training? Yes. Then you should be on a training course. You know, what, do, do you want to go back inspired to do great work, really motivated and pumped and full of ideas that you've kind of got from your peers and seeing great speakers? That's what you should, uh, that's what coming to my events about. Or, you know, I, I, I should put a caveat in there. Any event, going to any event is about. Conferences aren't training days, and they are a taste of lots of different speakers, lots of different uh, outlooks, lots of different work that they're doing, and hopefully they inspire people to go and do great work. And that that really is my aim, to be honest. It's funny how different events have different characteristics. I mean, I'm thinking to an event apart over in the States, Mm. which you know, it's a wonderful conference series and I've, you know, I've been fortunate to speak there and, and be there a lot over the years. And one of the things that is all the speakers, you know, no matter who it is, Jeremy, me, whoever that, that speaks at Event Apart, we all know that the Event Apart audience is different from, for example, um, you know, a lot of the kind of regular web conferences because their audience is not one-man bands. Their audience isn't kind of people that do lots of different stuff all under one role. It's people that get sent there from their companies and their organizations and whatever. And one of the things that they want is practical takeaways. Mm. Um, and it's very popular. They do like the, the, uh, the big workshop day where, you know, virtually the whole audience, however many it is, 800 people will turn up on the third day to listen to Luke Rabluski talk about mobile design. Right. It's very practical. Um, yeah. and it's so hard, I think, for speakers sometimes to, you know, you need to know what your audience is going to be because you don't want to turn up to an event apart and do like a massive, big kind of crescendo inspiration talk because, you know, you get your feedback format at the end of the, you know, the end of the session and it's like, oh, well, we could have done with some practical takeaways. <laughs> yeah. And yet you don't want to turn up to, for example, something like reasons and say, well, I'm here to explain the box model to you. This is a, a never-ending debate. Um, un, uh, unfortunately, I haven't been lucky enough to go to uh, an event apart yet, which I, I, I hope that I get to do one day. Um, I think what you've just described actually can, again, I don't want to sound like I know best, but I, I kind of feel that the price dictates the audience. Um, and... I don't think there are many one-man bands that can afford to go to uh, an event which costs, you know, upwards of 600 quid, 800 quid. You, know, you look at um, Adobe Max in L.A., God, you know, by the, by the time you've paid for a ticket and a flight to L.A. and then accommodation and your food and, okay, listen, America's great and and uh, for cheap food, but... If you lump all those things in together, you're talking about several thousand pounds. Oh, yeah. You know, so there is a certain type of person that is likely to go to that. And I think uh, the majority, and this probably sounds like a generaliz- generalization, which it is, 
but the majority of those are people that have had that ticket paid for them. And those that are paying for themselves are really, really, really keen to be there. So, yeah, I, I do think that the price has a lot to say for it. You know, I don't know, how much is an event apart? Is it like a grand or something? Um, I can't tell without looking it up, but I think what, it's I'm about $800 it while I'm doing it now. There's no point in both of us Googling it. So what's the next one for an event apart? This is an interesting podcast, isn't it? Two it old is. farts do some Googling. <laughs> <laughs> There's our show title. So uh, July, Washington, D.C. is the next one up. And Seems limited. $1,390. That's for the three days. Right. So if it's just the conference pass, then it's uh, just over $1,000. So my um, last year, I stood on the stage at Reasons, and I said, for the next 48 hours, this is at the end of the event, the next 48 hours, you can get your Reasons 2014 ticket uh, because it's a loyalty price for 125 quid. That is a three-day, three-theatre event. That's so, enough of a plug. Now, no, listen, uh, they don't, the, all those, all those tickets, the tickets didn't all sell at that. That was for those people in that room. And then we reopened at 199 in, in March. The, now, interestingly, you know, this, the, again, this is one of those debates I have with Brendan and people like that where they go, John, why don't you increase the ticket price or why don't you cut this out or why don't you, so that you can actually make some money one year? Cause the last couple of years I've, I've not made anything. I've made a loss, made a loss, but why don't you do this and that and the other, you know, and I kind of say, I feel like I am betraying my, my dream of what this is. You know, this is, I've always wanted to be the guy that has the best barbecue that you walk away from and you go, we got to go back to that guy's place. It was a laugh and there was plenty of food and it was all good fun. And that's the way I like to run the event, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm not there to, oh, listen, I want to make a living, but I'm certainly not there to become a millionaire. I can't see that ever happening. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of, of very, um, I don't know. There's a, there's probably a lot of people going, Simon, you're not very adventurous, but, you know, as you get older, you kind of think, listen, as long as I have a couple of good ski holidays and, uh, you know, I don't have to say the words I can't afford, then, you know, life's good. Why, why, why want to feather my nest any further? Oh, and now we're getting into, uh, philosophy, aren't we? Oh, I don't know. Blimey. Tell you what, let me do another sponsor read. Let's bring okay. it back down to, let's bring it back down to reality. Yes. <laughs> so Perch is our next sponsor. Oh, I like them. Oh, no, lovely. So Perch, for those people that don't know, and if you don't know, where the hell have you been over the last two years or so? Perch is a content management system that's been designed to help both design agencies and individual designers and developers, people that sound like your audience, to deliver great sites that their clients are going to really love. Mm -hmm. And I know that's the case because we hear stuff and nonsense our clients have told us time and time again that they just really like to use Perch. Mm. So with that in mind, Perch focuses on a few key things. So I can imagine that maybe like us, once you've designed a site, you don't want to spend a long time integrating a CMS into the site. For example, we're working on a site this week. We've already made the HTML and the CSS templates for all the pages. Now we just want to simply hook up those with a CMS. But, you know, I'm not worried because I know that it's quick to get Perch up and running and you can even just make parts of a static page editable if that's what you really want to do. 
I also know that it's really hard to charge a client for training on how to update their site. But as well as the money, there's also the time that training takes that I'd rather personally spend designing. And mm-hmm. um, Perch has a really great editing interface that's based around pages. So when the client, what the client sees matches what's on their site. So content's really easy to find and edit. And that means they don't need a lot of training. And it also means that they're more likely to keep their own site up to date. There's nothing worse in making a site for someone and then taking a look at it a couple of months later and it's just not changed. Just Absolutely. gathering yeah. dust. So unlike some other CMS systems, especially those that are based on static files, Perch is designed around performance, and we all want our sites to be fast to load and be able to handle lots of traffic. So Perch is designed to be fast from the ground up to make sure that your site always performs well. And that's why they say that Perch helps you make great websites faster, faster to build and faster to load. I love using Perch. I know lots of other people that love using Perch too. So to find out more, go to unfinished.bz slash grab a perch and they'll know that we sent you. I have to say, Andy, I have some experience with Perch because I've used it. It's brilliant. I love it. You know, I was looking at what's that really big, very popular CMS that that everyone used to use expression engine expression engine right so uh, years ago i looked at that and i thought oh blimey you know i don't first of all i don't know if i'm gonna understand it all and secondly it was expensive and well it's actually expensive it wasn't now it was not expensive no that's true now i the money i've got in my pocket now i'd go okay well i get it three three four hundred dollars whatever it is and then someone said to me why don't you try perch and at the time, I don't remember what it was, 50 quid, 40 quid or something like that, which I think is probably similar now. And I thought, all right, I'll give it a go. Anyway, I tried it, and I thought, oh, this is great. And then, like a fool, my local tennis uh, club said to me, hey, John, you do something in the web industry. Can you build us a website? You know Uh-oh. that old, oh, listen, you work in the web industry. Can you fix my communications system or uh, all that kind of thing? Anyway, like an idiot, I went, yeah, all right, I'll do that. And then I thought, do you know what? I should get this perch because like you've just described, I wanted to build it and never, ever have to touch it again. So... I, I used Perch and designated areas for them to have as editable, and it is up and running still. They love it, and I I think it's just one of the best products out there. Brilliant. No, it's fabulous. I mean, my site, the Stuff for Nonsense site, still runs on Expression Engine, and we, oh, up, does it? we upgraded it to the latest Expression Engine when we did the Apes header back when was that April time this year. See uh, that you that's you are much cleverer than me because I just looked at it and got a glazed kind of look over my face. No, I'm not clever at all. I paid. I paid somebody else to do it. <laughs> Stephen Grant. If Stephen Grant's listening, hi, Stephen. He's up in Glasgow. He's probably the country's best expression engine developer. Oh, yeah. Certainly the best one that I've ever met. And uh, I basically said, listen, here's, here's, a, here's a sack full of money. Please, um, please, please do all the necessaries. And he did, and he was brilliant. So uh, we, we've long thought about moving the site to, to Perch. Uh, the, the unfinished business site runs on, on Perch and everything that we've done since then runs on Perch. But I suppose it's just a legacy, you know, all of the content and there's lots of stuff that's, you know, it's held together with string now. But yeah, there's yeah. lots of stuff about that site that, um, 
would take us a while to change. And, you know, we're, we're busy, but we'll get there eventually. So tell, tell me, Andy, seriously, I, I look up to you as like a, a CSS, desi- uh, you know, design guy and all that. Do you really have stuff that is still held together with string? Uh, yes, actually, even from a CSS point of view. I mean, there's, there's stuff about the, there's things about the existing stuff on Nonsense site, which I just know could be done so much better. Um, I love the apes, by the way. There's, there's a horrendous specificity issue with the apes, which, um, I got to the last minute and then just, oh, fuck it. Just put bang important on everything and just get it fixed. Um, which is, you know, not the way that I would teach my students <laughs> to do it. Mm. Um, and there's lots of other things like, for example, I want to actually design a system and I want our, a new developer, whoever that may be, to uh, build a system where we can quite easily switch the headers in and out because at the moment it's, they're kind of integrated into the main CSS files, which is a pain. Mm. So there's lots of stuff that I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer anymore when it comes to CSS, particularly I, I've got now. To tell you. I do. I love the parallax thing going on. I'm, I'm sitting here. You know, when anyone says the words responsive design, we all like idiots start resizing the browser backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. That's what I'm doing. And all of the apes, they've, they've got like a parallax thing with the umbrellas going behind. I love it. Well, there's a few things that go on in that, but you know, the best thing, what I, and I do it sometimes and I've even done it on client stuff and I'm not going to say where it is. What you, what you do is, there's a there's a CSS property which is the filter property, and you can actually flip things around. Oh, right. so, so basically, what you can do is you can just have a little breakpoint that's like between I don't know 758 and 768 pixels. So just when the window is within that 10 pixel range, mm. and then just that flip the page around or flip the page upside down, it freaks people out. It's oh, it's only web geeks that do that. Like your auntie, she doesn't sit there resizing the window like you just no, did, right? No, so exactly. It's only web geeks that do that. So just give them a little extra, give them a little surprise. Yeah, I, I live with someone like that. She she goes, "What are you doing that for?" Yeah, but look, look, can you see like, can you see the ape? He moves. Yeah, but so what? Yeah, but he moves. Yeah, he moves. Great. So, but I can't use the form. Yeah, yeah, but the ape moves. It's, you know. So, yeah, I get it all the time. <laughs> There's going to be a new header on its way. So, back to, back to conferences for a minute, because you've got, yeah. you've got some really good speakers lined up this year. You've got obviously our good friend, who's now our new regular co-host on the show, Brendan Dawes. Yes. Speaking again. Yeah. But, you know, you can't, you just can't hear him too many times. No, Brendan's great. In fact, um, Brendan, actually, he hasn't spoken at Reasons to be Creative. He's spoken at Flash on the Beach a couple of times. And then uh, our timings have clashed every year. And this year, he has postponed his holiday so that he could come back and speak. Because, he, funny enough, he um, saw a couple of the other speakers and he went, oh, John, I've got to be there this year. So, uh, uh, absolutely, listen, we've been friends for so many years. I said yes immediately. Well, it's cool because then there's a ton of people that I don't know and I haven't heard of before. I haven't heard them speak before. I don't know their names particularly. I'm looking at the speaker's page now. Yeah. And, man, it just it blows that old, same old faces chestnut out of the window because there's, like, so many people here that I, mean, I, I don't know who they are. I don't know what they do. So let me, let me give you some... Um background if you're looking at the page you probably see one of the it's not a name it says elevator pitch yes right so 
many, many, many years ago, I think 2007, I thought to myself, oh, no, every time I go to any conference, I see the same old name speaking. So how am I going to break this rule? And then I thought, I know, listen, I can probably um, plagiarise. Is it called Petu? I don't know what Petruku or something like that. It's um, it's a format where you get twenty slides or oh something like yeah, uh, Petrukucha or something That's like that. Something like that. Yeah, and I, I just thought maybe I can do something along those lines. So I, I came up with the elevator pitch, which is twenty newbies, or actually they don't have to be newbies. They can be anyone. They get three minutes. And when I was flashing out the idea, I. I actually started looking for a shepherd's crook because the idea was that three minutes they get yanked off, right? And then I thought, no, I'm going to get, you know, flamed for, you know, hurting someone's neck or whatever. So <laughs> anyway, we, we have someone literally sit at the side of the stage with a timer and they give them 10 seconds, five seconds off. And whether they have finished or not, they get taken off the stage and the next person's coming on. Now, we have uh, a really, really good AV crew. And what happens is whilst, so if I paint the picture, while speaker number one is talking in his three minutes, the AV crew is setting up speaker number two's laptop. And then the second that speaker number one finishes and walks off of stage, the AV crew switches to speaker number two's laptop and then uh, speaker number three's laptop gets brought on. So literally there are no gaps whatsoever. It is the most exciting hour because you, if you don't like the talk, you only have to put up with it for three minutes. But if you do like it, you are kind of yearning for more. Now, once the 20 have done their three-minute pitch each, then the audience gets to choose their three favourites and the people with the most votes get invited back to do full sessions in subsequent years. So out of this one session, over the years, I reckon we've probably got, I don't know, 20 new speakers, and I'm very proud to say that I often see them on the speaking circuit at other international events. So quite proud to think, you know, it's a great breaking ground. I like the idea of that. Um, there's another event. We don't need to go into who the other event is necessarily. People will know. But there's another event that has like a rising stars track. Yes, yes. And I have long objected to that and found that to be, um, oh, what's the right word? It's condescending. Well, not necessarily condescending. I've, I've found it, I found it almost offensive, to be honest. Um, particularly in, in, in the regard that, you know, people are doing more or less a full talk and, uh, are not getting paid for it, which I've always found uh, it, always found it, always found it objectionable. And right. it was one of the reasons why I actually stopped speaking for that event because, you know, I, I didn't think that it was fair on, on, on young speakers. Whereas this, this is something where I think that it is a good platform and the, the, the form we did something with, um, I went to Milton Keynes Geek Night. Yes. Um, I saw you there. You did see me there, weirdly. I forgot mm. about that. And uh, they do the, the sort of the little five-minute slot as well. Mm. And I really like that. And I really like these opportunities to get somebody new up on the stage. Because, you know, nobody wants to see me waffling on about CSS anymore. So, you know, 
Well, then that you're, you're broadening the, the conversation now, Andy, to multi-track versus single track. But to finish on the elevator pitch, I was very uh, aware from the beginning that I personally must not be involved with the decision-making process at all. So everyone that has won, uh, actually it's three per year, so anyone that has won an elevator pitch has been chosen by all the attendees at the event, which I feel great about because then I get no pressure of, oh, it's your favourite or you knew the person or, you know, any of that stuff. It's all done with the attendees. And I love that because then they feel like some engagement with the with the session as well. It's become one of the most popular. We do it on the Wednesday morning at, like, 10 o'clock. And uh, it, it's funny because often at events you'll find that the first session in the morning is um, not quite as full as many of the others because people have trouble getting up in the morning or trouble getting a train or whatever reason that particular session always chock-a-block no i I love the sound of that i can't wait to see that one it's funny it reminded me though i mean it's not the same thing but and i haven't actually experienced this but i've seen in the u.s particularly i think like um techie events things like you know python or ruby Mm. events whatever they are Mm. Um, they have like a call for speakers and people submit talks. I think South by Southwest does mm. that now. It didn't when I went there, you know, 2005 mm. or six or something, you know, you get asked mm-hmm. and that's what I've always done. I, I've always been asked to speak at an event. I've never submitted at all. I've always found it weird. This yeah. whole kind of not only just call for speakers, but, but sometimes anonymous calls for speakers. I mean, I just think that's, that's like the weirdest thing. It's, I, I wouldn't ever want to do that. Well, I, I have to say, on my site, we have uh, right at the very bottom of the page, you'll see a, a link that says speak. And there are two things in there. One is um, speaker proposals. And actually, I invite pretty much everyone. However, I do think it's important that people are allowed to send in a proposal if they think it's good. Um, and the other is the elevator pitch proposals. Um, and then at the bottom, what you'll see, how do we choose our speakers, which is a kind of mission statement, really. Um, but I think, I think that conferences should allow proposals to be sent in because you never know what uh, the topic will be or, or where it will come from. And often they can be really good. But generally, uh, most of the events that I know, including my own, uh, we will see the speaker first. Um, and that if personally, there's a good reason for that. And that is that, um, some people have amazing work, but they might not be very good at presenting. And likewise, the other way around, some people have fantastic personalities, but then their work is, you know, dull or, or it's just not particularly good. Or they don't have anything particularly interesting to talk about. Yes, exactly. You know, so for me, it's really important when I'm, I'm looking at speakers, it's really important that I've seen the majority of them. And therefore, when we have elevator pitch speakers, um, uh, and actually I'll, I'll be totally honest and open. There have been elevator pitch speakers that have not won that I have also invited back as well because I, particularly been impressed by them but generally if the if they've been voted by the attendees they win and therefore they get brought back 
on top of that, I will sometimes get other people back as well. Um, but going back to your uh, comment about not knowing a lot of the names, I had a really interesting conversation with Mike Coos. Uh, do you know Mike? Uh, I don't know him personally. We've met once or twice, um, but I have never spent any time with him. He's, he's, I follow his work. I follow his work on Instagram particularly because yeah. he's, he's one of these, um, you know, he's amazing Instagram photography guys, yeah. which is, which is he fabulous. Is. Yeah. Um, he's amazing. He's, I mean, his work, his design work is just lovely, really great, a lovely feel and it's got some good heart to it. Um, he designed, he redesigned the future of web design, um, site. Yes. He, I remember. he did Twitter conference and all those kind of things. But anyway, so we were having a beer and, um, he said to me, quite surprised me actually. He said, um, do you know what, John? He said, I don't normally do this because I'm, a, I'm one of the speakers. He said, but the other day I thought to myself, I should really do a little bit of homework on the other speakers that are talking this year. So he said, so I started going through them and he said, I literally had my jaw open thinking to myself, how do I not know some of these names when I know their work? He said, you know, actually, you, you've got together the most amazing group of speakers. And I thought, you know, I, well, first of all, I was really flattered. It was lovely to say. But he then said to me, he said, I think one of your problems, John, is that you don't market that very well because there must be hundreds and hundreds of people like me who go, oh, now you've shown me their work. I know exactly who they are but they don't know the name or they don't associate it with the particular work, whatever. So actually that has been one of my um, kind of goals this year is in the newsletter that I send out, I've been trying to just do a spotlight on various speakers and rather than uh, lift text from their website or lift text from their bio, I do my own personal little, you know, do you know they do this? Do you know they do that? This is some of the work and, like an expose, really. Well, I'm looking but, at the speaker page now, and yeah. you know, there are some names that I know, but I'm, oh, I think I know. You know, so I'm looking here at Florian Schmidt. Yes. Who he has a name that I know, but I can't think where from. But I've obviously seen. So his Florian work. is from HiRes. Um, HiRes, they're, they're like an interactive agency. They do all sorts of amazing work. They do installations. They do uh, digital stuff. They do print stuff. Um, you know, they've won all sorts of awards. They're, they are really a terrific agency. So I'm coming onto Florian's page on, on the Reasons site now. And actually here, interestingly, we do see some of his work over on the right hand side. Yes. Which, and you are going beyond the usual kind of speaker bio and photograph thing, which I think mm. is good. And you could yeah. probably take it further. You know, you could probably turn the site into being quite, um, you know, like an interesting, I wouldn't say sort of magazine. But, yeah. you know, do you know, what, I, Andy, if I was better at CSS, uh, that you just described exactly how I'd like to make the site look. If only there were people in the world that we knew that could write a bit of CSS <laughs> for you, John. You see, you shouldn't be writing fucking CSS. You no, should no. be art directing. That's what you should be yeah. doing. Yeah. But no, I agree. But uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, I'm pleased that you said that. One of my favorite events is the Off Festival in Barcelona. I absolutely love it. And funny enough, 
when you go on their site, it's only this year that they've started doing a bio. But in the past, all you'd have is a single image of what the speaker's work looked like, and that image would link to their website. And you had to do all the research yourself. Um, and I just thought, you know, I like the idea of knowing what the speaker does or their work. And a picture paints a thousand words. So why don't I say to the speakers, listen, when you give me your speaker uh, headshot, I want, you know, anything between 10 and 20 images of your work that I can crop. And then it will get randomly served up. So if you're looking at Florian's page at the moment, and then you hit refresh, you'll see that the work all changes. All right, well, I'm doing that now. Oh, yes, so it does. Well, some yeah. of it does. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So, you know, and the idea behind that, Andy, and you'll, you'll completely get this because you know what you're doing, whereas I don't, um, is that when people visit it a second time, even though the content isn't fresh, it looks like it's fresh because they're getting served some different imagery. No, cool, very cool. I think you yeah. could take it further. I think that you could uh, you could actually make these speaker pages almost. I don't know. Because the other thing I was thinking about this is what people do. You know, oft, I don't know whether people whether organizers still do like a paper booklet anymore. You know, like a conference booklet yeah, where people do. turn up. Yeah, um, we do. And you know, there's, there's usually some stuff in there, and I've seen people sitting in the audience kind of referring to it because if you don't know who somebody is, then you know you can basically just you know, flick through and think, ah, oh, well, it's him, or I don't know of him. But actually, you know, we've all got phones and tablets, and hopefully the Wi-Fi works. Yeah. So yeah. actually, you could take that further so that the speaker page itself was something that the audience could use while the speaker was on stage, mm. Mm. rather than doing what they often do, which is to check their email and sit on Facebook. Yeah. So, yeah. oh, no, there's some ideas there. Yeah. No, I like that. We need to wrap up. Okay. But I think... Oh, I'm sad. I'm sad we're having to wrap up. I'm well, enjoying this. We've been over an hour, but yeah. I think that I'm going to come down this year. Good. I was going to say you're a very, very welcome guest. Thank you. Well, I'm, I won't just be coming down for reasons, though, frankly, because uh, oh. <laughs> no, I did promise Jeremy that I'd head down to deconstruct this year for the first time. Well, you can spend the week then, because, you know, we're the first Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of every... September and they're the first Friday of every September. I don't know what uh, I don't know what's on at, at Deconstruct because uh, maybe he should advertise. That's what he should do. They're already they're already online, I guess. I think <laughs> I think their tickets are up. Oh, no, that's an in joke. Oh, I see. So before we go, I just want to mention something else. This is uh, this is not really a sponsor, but I want to mm -hmm. talk about it because it's a Kickstarter project. All right. And it's called The Adventures of Alex, and it's about – this is not my Alex. This is about beautifully illustrated children's books that break social norms. That's what it says on the Kickstart project. And it's by Amy Lockwood, and she's one half, and I know to be the better half, of the team that brought back Five Simple Steps, and they also host other really great events in Wales like Handheld and The Web Is. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So why The Adventures of Alex? Well – there are plenty of books for kids that tell predictable stories about beautiful princesses or handsome princes like you and me, John. Mm -hmm. I reckon so. <laughs> In our dreams. But when was the last time that you read your children a story that includes a mum that runs her own business or a father that stays at home like we do or 
boys and girls who are more than just doll playing wig worm digging stereotypes. These are the stories that these books are going to tell to give children role models that better reflect how people really are today. I mean, you know, I know how influential children's books can be because I yeah. only have to remember how Alex, our Alex, mm. how he was inspired by science books when he was really, really little. And now he's a proper geologist and so are his friends, male and female. Yeah. Amy needs help to make these books a reality. The first story is already written and she needs £6,000 to hire a book designer and an illustrator to pay for the first print run and distribution. Six grand. We can, we can raise that. Yeah. Now, I nothing. know that we all get bombarded these days from people who want us to hand over our money for one Kickstarter project or another, but this one really does mean something. And it could yeah. mean a whole lot of some things to a whole lot of children. And that's, yeah. that's why I'm talking about it now. Um, and that's why I'm talking about it for free. So if you back Adventures of Alex, all your money goes to the project. None of it's coming to me. They're not paying for the sponsor spot. If you've got kids, or even if you don't, just help if you can. Back it. 15 quid is a really good place to start. And yeah. a cup of milky coffee in Brighton costs more than that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But I've got to say, I'm looking at the page now, and the illustrations are beautiful. Wonderful. So please go to unfinished.bz slash Alex and uh, make something important, man. Yeah, that sounds like a good cause. So what's the best place for people to catch up with you, John? Um, well, I am Johnny Belmont on Twitter. Um, not, uh, it's funny because my friend in, in the US, Chris Shiflett, do you know Chris? I've uh, never met Chris. He's one of the people that's, uh, is he a fictive kin type? He is. He runs Brooklyn Beta, uh, or, or as they say, Brooklyn Beta. Never been to that uh, either. All uh, right. Well, that's a great event. And, uh, he, he always says to me, John, I don't understand this. John, Johnny Belmont, John David, jo what are you? And I just leave him hanging. So anyway, so I'm Johnny Belmont on Twitter, uh, reasons Two on Twitter. And I like to meet people. So, you know, it's funny because they come to the event and I always stand on stage and I say, listen, if you've got five minutes, say hello, because I'd love to hear what you, think of the event and have a chat, find out about you. And I guess people look at me and go, oh, he's too busy, and they never do. So I kind of miss it a little bit. But I love love meeting people and just hanging out, having a beer. So, yeah, any event, come and say hello. Cool. And people can follow me. I'm at Malarkey on Twitter. To ask questions or suggest topics, you can message this show on Twitter at UnfinishedBZ, or you can email me, he has at unfinished.bz. Thanks again to our sponsors this week. They were Ghost Lab, Perch, and don't forget the Adventures of Alex. Please go and support them. I don't know where the hour went. No, absolutely. And Andy, listen, if you ever want me to speak, uh, chat with you again, I'd love to. I really enjoyed it. Good fun. We'll do it again.